We're wrapping up our series on the deadly seven, the, the seven deadly sins, this, this morning with a lesson on gluttony. And uh, probably out of all the seven deadly sins, I've been asked more often, when are you preaching on um, I don't know if that's because they didn't want to be here, or they wanted to bring somebody, I don't know. But I've got more questions about when's gluttony, when's gluttony, when's gluttony. Well, it's today. I want to begin by sharing this quote with you from Billy Graham. He says, it is a sin that most of us commit, but few of us mention. It is one of the prevalent sins among Christians. Gluttony is a sin that I haven't heard preached much about, to be honest, in my 41 years of being in the church. I've heard a lot of sermons on lust. I've heard a lot of sermons on greed, anger, uh, the various sins we've already covered. To be honest, I haven't heard a lot about gluttony. And I wonder why that is. I wonder why we avoid this, this issue. And, and as I've thought and pondered this week and, and thought about it, I think it's because it's sensitive to a lot of us, and we really don't know how to handle it because we struggle with it. We live in a gluttonous culture. We live in a culture that, that buys into this sin, and instead of calling it a sin, oftentimes we joke about gluttony and gluttonous people, and we laugh off and kind of go on our merry way and hope we don't offend anybody. But this morning, what I want to do is I want to talk about gluttony, and I want to do it in such a way that, that is going to honor God's Word and challenge us and may cause some change in our lives. And I want to confess to you this morning that I've struggled with all aspects of these sins at various times. But gluttony is one sin that I have committed and continue to commit. I'm going to confess that to you this morning. It's a sin that I struggle with deeply. And so as I preach this morning, please know that I'm not lecturing you. I'm lecturing myself. And if I'm stepping on anyone's toes this morning, my toes have been stepping all week as I prepared this sermon. So understand that. I understand I'm not doing this harshly. I have sat here all week and wrestled with this. And so this is, is, is where I'm at. And so I just want to confess that this is a sin that I have struggled with and continue with. And I ask your prayers for me as I, I combat this sin in my life. Here's a picture of me as a senior in high school. I could have been on Saved by the Bell. Um, 1990, graduated in high school. As you can see, I wasn't as big then as I am now. Um, but I always had a big, huge appetite for food, a gluttonous appetite times. I've shared with you the story before of how when I was in kindergarten, I could eat a triple hamburger at Wendy's and make my grandfather just cackle with glee as he showed his friends. I've always had a big appetite growing up, and I grew up in Indiana, and that's a steak and potato place, and I ate a lot of steak, and I ate potato. But as a kid, you know, you're active, you're running around, you're playing basketball. I played basketball all the time up in Indiana. You kind of have to live up there, and so did the basketball thing, was able to keep most of the weight off. In college, I played basketball. I was involved in intramural athletics, active in college. Then I got an accounting job and sat at that desk and traveled to nice cities that had nice food. I ate, and I didn't play basketball. And then I went to youth ministry, and I will can testify, that's not your healthy choice options either. A lot of pizza, a lot of chicken fingers. A lot of McDonald's, and I was gaining, it's like I was gaining weight for the Lord, because, Lord, I'm in your service. <laughs> I'm ministering to teenagers, they ate pizza and McDonald's. God, this, I'm doing this for you. I say that jokingly, because I was gluttonous in my food choices. And so that's kind of led me where I'm at today, and today I'm overweight, and I, under, and I acknowledge that, and you can obviously see that. And so gluttony is a sin that's 
been hampering my life, and I think my kingdom walked for a long time, and I want to confess that this morning. But I also want to share this with you, and it's this simple fact as well. Gluttony is not about being fat or being skinny. Because we can be gluttonous about a lot of things, and we'll talk about that here in a second, but there are some of you that are gluttonous with food, and you don't gain weight, but you still eat too much. Now, we resent you for that, but you don't gain weight. <laughs> case in point, case in point, when I was a kid growing up in the church in Indianapolis, we had a youth deacon. His name was Tom. I love Tom. Tom was a great work with teenagers, but Tom was skinny, and he, he never gained weight, and he was actually known as the vacuum cleaner at church because we'd have these potluck meals, and Tom consciously would wait till everyone went to the line, and then he'd go through. And he would take his plate, and I'm not kidding, when he was done, his plate weighed five pounds. And he would just eat that and eat that and eat that, and he never gained an ounce. One time his plate broke as he was going through the line. And he never gained weight. He's never had a weight problem. He didn't exercise that often, but he was still gluttonous. And so gluttony isn't necessarily about being fat and skinny. You can be a skinny glutton. And gluttony is not always about food. Sometimes glutton, we, we indulge in stuff and, and, and buy stuff that we don't need, and we're gluttonous about our purchases. Some of you have clothes in your closet that still have the tags on them. You have not worn them. You're buying more clothes. Some of you have bought a dress or a pair of shoes that you've worn once, put them in your closet, and they've sat there for years. That's being gluttonous. Some of us buy things and, and, and purchase things because we've got to have them, we've got to have them, we've got to have them, and we get more and more and more and more and more. That's being gluttonous. So you can be a skinny glutton, you can be a fat glutton, and glutton can and also involve purchases and, and things like that. At its core, gluttony is about dissatisfaction. It's being dissatisfied with something, and so for a lot of us who struggle with gluttony of food, we're unhappy, we're dissatisfied, so we eat, trying to find comfort in food. For some of us, we go to the Acadiana Mall, and we're dissatisfied in life, and we're unhappy, so we buy stuff. At its core, gluttony is about dissatisfaction, and gluttony is about not being able to say, enough. I've got to have more. Why do I have to have more? Because there's something within me that's empty, and if I eat more, or if I buy more, eventually I'm going to fill myself up, but that never happens. God is the only thing that can fill us up. And as we eat more, and as we shop for more, and as we consume more, God is sitting there saying, why are you chasing these things to this earth when it's me who can fill you and give you what you need? Gluttony is refusal to say enough. And so gluttony can be about food. It can be about purchasing. It's not necessarily about food. But the Bible connects gluttony primarily with food and drink, and we need to be honest there. When the Bible talks about gluttony, it does connect it with food and drinking. So the majority of my talk this morning, my, my sermon this morning, is going to be about food and what we consume. Jesus himself was called a glutton, even though Jesus didn't with, struggle with gluttony. And so we need to acknowledge that sometimes we look at someone and say, well, he's, he's a glutton, when he's, uh, they're not. And one other thing I want to say about being overweight is sometimes people are overweight and it's not because they've eaten too much, it's because of a health condition or medicine they're taking. Sometimes people are overweight and it has nothing to do with food. 
So before you judge somebody in their way, you need to get to know their story and see why they're there. And it very well could be they're eating everything inside. But it could be because there's something else going on. But Jesus is called a glutton because he hung out with sinners. And in Matthew 11, 18 through 19, the Bible says, For John came neither eating nor drinking, and they say he has a demon. The Son of Man came eating and drinking, and they say, Look at him, a glutton and a drunkard, a friend of tax collectors and sinners, yet wisdom is justified by her deeds. Jesus was not a glutton. He did not commit a sin in his entire life. He did not commit the sin of gluttony, but he was labeled as such. Be careful what you label people. Be careful. Get to know their story first. But there is a reason why we eat too much and why we consume so much, and, and gluttony is making pleasure a drug to help avoid the problems of life or to soothe pain we are feeling. And so at the heart of gluttony lies this dissatisfaction with life, with this not being filled, and so we eat too much or we purchase too much or we consume too much because, again, we're looking for satisfaction. And a lot of you have your favorite foods that you like. There's a picture on the, on the next slide. Some of you guys, fried chicken or fried foods. Oh, man, to me, I can tell you, fried foods... You fry it, I'll eat it. I mean, that's been my whole life. I love fried foods. You'd fry a tennis shoe and I'd probably take a bite. Oh, you try this. And so for some of us, it's fried foods. We love that. And so that's fried foods. Next, steak. Some we've had a bad day. We've had a bad week. We're unhappy. We go home. We want, we want beef. We want tofu. We want beef. We want steak. And so we eat and we can trying to make ourselves happy. And for a lot of us, it's a nice steak, nice hamburger, nice something to make us happy. Next one, chocolate. Yeah. Some of y'all are like, I don't care about chocolate or, or, or chicken or steak. You give me chocolate and preferably fry it. Then we're good. Fried Snickers, awesome. But we like chocolate. And so we, we indulge in chocolate. And a lot of our adults, we're excited because Halloween's coming up. And it's not because we want to see our kids in costume. We want their candy. And parents, you know the game. Your kids go trick-or-treating on the 31st. And then we say, well, I have to go through your bag <laughs> to protect you from bad stuff. And we go through and we fill our drawers with our candy and say, here you go. And they get like a tenth of what they got. We got the rest. Halloween's awesome if you like chocolate. So I'll have a struggle with chocolate. And a lot of us were taught to eat to provide comfort by grandparents and parents and things like that. You grew up in a family where when things were going wrong, you ate. I mean, when, when you were sad, here came grandma with your favorite dessert or with your favorite meal. Oh, eat my poor baby. You just eat and feel better. And we were taught that. My grandma taught that to me. I got to have a bad day and I go visit my grandma. Oh, Lance has had a bad day. What's your favorite meal, honey? And she'd fix it. I love it. But a lot of us have grown up in a family and still live in families where we rush to eat when we're unhappy or unsettled. And I'm not condemning your grandma. I'm just saying that's where we're at. We've learned it. And then this. A lot of us turn to alcohol when we're dissatisfied. Which leads to addiction, which leads to drunkenness, which leads to so many things that are wrong in this society. And we turn to alcohol to to satisfy us. So we got to realize that gluttony, the source of that is dissatisfaction. It's 
trying to make ourselves feel better. And here's the thing about gluttony and food. It's not about what you're eating. It's about what's eating you. It's not about what you're eating. It's, what, it's, it's about what's eating you. So if you have a problem with overeating, if you have a problem with gluttony, you need to step back today and say, why am I doing this? Why am I eating so much? Why am I eating so frequently? What in my life makes me sad? What is wrong with me? What's going on here? And address it from a spiritual perspective. We talked this morning in Bible class about how we wage war against the principalities and, and, the, and the spirits and things are spiritual. We need to understand our relationship with food is spiritual. And if we're given into gluttony and if there's dissatisfaction in our life, we need to ask God, God, show me where it is. Show me where this pain is. Show me what I'm trying to do here, God, because I'm tired of eating and being gluttonous. I want it to stop. God, show me. And he will. And some of you sitting here this morning, you don't even have to do the introspection. You know the pain in your life, and instead of dealing with it, you have eaten, you've bought too much, you've consumed too much, and you're trying to numb your pain through those means. Let God in to heal your pain. It's not about what we're eating, it's about what's eating you. But, but food is something to be enjoyed. Look at Nehemiah 8, 9 through 12. We need to understand food's not bad. Overeating is. And using it to numb our pain is. But in Scripture, God uses food as a celebration. Look at Nehemiah 8, 9 through 12. Nehemiah, who was the governor, and Ezra the priest and scribe, and the Levites who taught the people, said to all the people, This day is holy to the Lord your God. Do not mourn or weep, for all the people wept as they heard the words of the law. Then he said to them, Go your way, eat the fat, and drink sweet wine, and send portions to anyone who has nothing ready. For this day is holy to our Lord, and do not be grieved, for the joy of the Lord is your strength. So the Levites calmed all the people, saying, Be quiet, for this day is holy. Do not be grieved. And all the people went their way to eat and drink and to send portions and to make great rejoicing, because they had understood the words that were declared to them. So understand, food is not evil. Food is not, not bad. Food can be used as celebration, and God gives us food to celebrate. We just have to recognize it for what it is. It's a gift from God that we use to celebrate not a gift from God that we use to bring chaos and sin into our lives. So we need to get a proper handle on food and realize food is not wrong, food is not evil. When we overconsume any of God's blessings, it can lead to sin in our life. But food can be a time of great celebration. And you have celebrated great things with your family, God's blessing. And you think back to those family dinners, and it was a time of great rejoicing and celebration and praising God. And there's nothing wrong with that. That's holy. That's biblical. But it's when we do it too much for the wrong reasons that Satan perverts that. So let's look at our guide to gluttony. We've been looking at all the seven deadly sins, asking questions of ourselves. So here we go. And this gets, this gets rough for some of us. But here we are. Look at your bank or credit card statement. Have you spent more money on eating out and buying food than you had planned? When you look at your debit card and your credit card statement, are you spending a large amount on food and a lot of food you don't need? You're just eating it. Do you regularly eat until you're uncomfortable? Do you regularly eat until you get that, you know, that feeling of, oh, I can't eat another bite? Is that you? Are you consciously, are you constantly eating so much that you're just always kind of, oh, I shouldn't have ate that much? If you said, I 
eat that much several times this past week, chances are you got to struggle with gluttony. When you eat out with others, do you find yourself worrying about whether someone else's meal is better or bigger than yours? Now, occasionally that's not wrong, but, but for a lot of us, we're always like that. They got a bigger piece of chicken than I got. I'm so mad. I should have ordered that. Look, so much better than what I got. Man, I should have. Why, why didn't I order that? And then you take people's food off their plate. Are you done with that? Because I'd like to try that. Do you take kid food off your kid's plate? And your kid says, Daddy, I was eating that. No, you weren't. I got it. <laughs> Not that I've ever done that. But some of you may have. So are you consciously looking at other people's plates, other people's meals, and, and, and being envious and greedy, which are two other sins, which, again, sin leads into sin? Is that you? Is one of your first thoughts in the morning what you plan to eat throughout the day or what restaurant you want to go to? Do you wake up thinking, food, feed me. What I'm, I mean, not just thinking about what you want for breakfast, but throughout the day, and you spend all day thinking about food. I can't wait till my next meal. I can't wait till snack. Where are we cooking tonight? What's going on? And then sometimes over the, we think it throughout the weekend. I mean, I can't wait to go eat there this weekend. I can't go. Is your mind obsessed with food? It's a chance you struggle with blood. If you use social networking sites, what percentage of your daily updates are related to food? And posting pictures of food. A lot of y'all are sitting there going, it's me. You know, there's some friends on Facebook. I can tell you what they eat for breakfast, lunch, and dinner. I don't want to know, but I just know because they post it. If that's you, chances are you're too food focused and you may struggle with gluttony. Do you use food as medicine when you're feeling bad? Again, it's not about what you're eating. It's about what's eating you. Do you use food as medicine when you feel bad? You have a fight with your spouse. They storm off in the bedroom. You go into the kitchen. Teenagers, kids, you have a bad day at school. You come home and immediately head to the kitchen. Do you use food as medicine when you're feeling bad instead of sharing it, talking it out with someone else, or talking Is food your medicine? When you finish a meal, do you often feel gross physically or emotionally? Do you feel a sense of guilt or shame? Have you ever eaten so much that you threw up? Some of us in here, this, we can honestly say this morning, we've done that. We've eaten so much that we physically threw up because we just overconsumed. Proverbs 25.16 says, If you have found honey, eat only enough for you, lest you have your fill of it, and vomit it. And for some of us, if we're being real this morning, we'll say, yeah, we've eaten so much that we physically just felt gross and puked. Do you hide food at home or in the office? If so, is it because you don't want others to know what you're eating? Is it because you don't want to share? Some of y'all right now have a food stash, and you know it. You got food in your closet at home. You got food under your bed because you don't want anyone else to have it. Or because you're ashamed that someone else may know how much you're eating of it. Some of you, your desk at work looks like a vending machine. You've got all sorts of stuff in there, and you just spend all day eating. Is that you? Finally, do you eat mindlessly, losing track sometimes of how much you're eating? You just eat and eat and eat and don't even realize how much you're eating. At the end of the day, you're like, wow, I ate so much today. Why did I do that? 
No, food needs to have a focus. We need to be focused on what we're eating and why we're eating it. You just get bored sometimes. Sitting there in the evening, nothing good's on TV. You know, your spouse is doing something else or, or you're by yourself and you're just like, I'm bored. You just walk in the kitchen and you start eating. You don't even, you're not even hungry. But you're just bored and you walk in there and you're like, ah, yeah, I'll take a Snickers. And you may get away with that once, but if that becomes every single night, that's gluttony. Don't fight boredom with food. Fight boredom with your Bible. Get in God's Word. Find something to study. Find something to pray about. Find someone to talk to. Gluttony can offer us immediate pleasure and satisfaction, but produces long-term disaster. And we eat, and we feel better about things, but the problem doesn't get fixed, and the next day we eat, we feel better about things, and it's just this deadly cycle that kills us emotionally, spiritually, and physically. Studies show that those who overeat and that carry too much weight often battle with depression, high blood pressure, diabetes. Being overweight will kill your effectiveness for the kingdom of God. And Satan loves it when we kill our pain with food because he knows we're killing ourselves spiritually, emotionally, and physically, and we limit the work God has called us to do. Our food intake is actually a spiritual process that we need to acknowledge as such. It's not just about body. It's about spirit. Gluttony can produce financial trouble, lack of contentment, a limited ability to serve God, and a limited ability to trust God. It's like we're eating so much that we act like there's not food to be there tomorrow. Well, we know there is, but it's just like we eat so much because I'm not sure I'm going to have food tomorrow. Yeah, you are. God's going to take care of you. You don't need to eat that much. And for a lot of us, it brings financial struggles. And some of y'all are going out to eat to restaurants and you cannot afford to. But because you're gluttonous and have to have a big meal, you go to these restaurants, you put it on your credit card, and then on Sundays when the contribution is passed, you can't give because you ate. Who gave you the food to eat? It's God. Some of you this morning, the collection plate came by and you're like, man, I wish I could give something. But when you think back on your weekend, man, you ate out this weekend. You went and bought nice steaks. You went and bought shrimp. You went and bought some nice food. You had a great time down down. But when it came time to give to God this morning, you had nothing left to give because you had eaten too much. You know what? I don't know that, but God does. And for a lot of us, it is a financial thing. We need to step back at our budgets and say, am I buying too much food? Am I eating out too much? Am I buying too nice food? I need to cut that back and give it to God because he provided the food for me in the first place. So for a lot of us, food affects our financial giving to God. Look what Proverbs 23, 20 through 21 says. Be not among drunkards or among gluttonous eaters of meat. For the drunkard and the glutton will come to poverty. And slumber will clothe them with rags. Proverbs says, don't even associate with those who are gluttonous and drunkards. Tough teaching, right? Maybe that's why we don't preach much about gluttony, because we know we struggle with it, and we don't want to get real with it. But folks, these series of sermons have been about getting real with our sin. We need to get real with gluttony. On a website the other day on Facebook, actually, one of my minister friends, I told him I was preaching on gluttony, and he says, can't you just stop at the sixth sin? I said, no, we got to do all seven. He says, good luck, brother. 
And then he goes on to tell me that gluttony can be a moving sermon. In other words, when you preach on gluttony, you're going to be moving pretty soon. <laughs> Hope that doesn't happen here. But we need to get real with it. Because it's affecting us spiritually, emotionally, and financially. So let's get a grip on gluttony. Three things that we've got to do. You've got to know the function of food. Why are we given food in the first place? Flip over to Philippians 3. Philippians 3. Paul shows us that food and our intake and our gluttonous attitude towards food can cause spiritual destruction. Next slide. Paul writes, For many of whom I've often told you and now tell you even with tears, walk as enemies of the cross of Christ. Their end is destruction, their God is their belly, and they glory in their shame with mindset on earthly things. And Paul says, there's some folks out there, their mind their God is their belly. Their minds are set on earthly things. Folks, we can't allow our belly to be our God. We can't allow our belly, our, our desire for food, our desire for stuff to separate us from God, and that's what gluttony will do. It puts food as an addiction. It puts food as something that we crave more than we crave God, and it will separate us from God and limit our effectiveness in the kingdom. So we've got to know the function of food and understand that food has a purpose and servicing our prideful self-worship isn't it. Food is given us by God to fuel our bodies, to give us strength, to give us energy. Occasionally, it's given us by God to celebrate God's blessings. But it's not meant to be abused. It's not to be, meant to be overused. It's not meant to lead us into gluttony. For a lot of us, we need to step back and say, why does God give us food in the first place? To fuel our bodies for work in his service. And when we have a chance to celebrate God's blessings, we do that and we celebrate, but we don't overdo it because we acknowledge it's all about God and not about us. So you got to know the function of food. you got to know why God gave it to us, to fuel us for his service, to celebrate at times, but not to overdo it. And as we practice self-control and eating to God's glory, we end up enjoying food more because it's been my experience that when I struggled with gluttony, I didn't even enjoy food. I was just eating. And I go, you know, you go to Popeye's and you get you a chicken thing and you eat it. And then you feel so much guilt and shame afterwards and you feel bad, which just fuels your desire to numb the pain and you go get more food. A lot of times people who struggle with gluttony, it's not that we're enjoying the food, it's just we're caught in a cycle. Some of you don't even enjoy the food you're eating because there's so much shame and guilt connected with it. Food was given by God for us to enjoy, to fuel our bodies. It's a blessing in our life, not a curse. If for some of you struggling with money today, it has become a curse in your life and you no longer enjoy it. So you got to know the function of food and you got to know the foreshadowing of food. When Scripture mentions food, it points away from temporary treasure and toward godly treasure. And food is to remind us of God and what he's blessed us with. Look at some things throughout Scripture, uh, as we'll see on the next slide, uh, of instances of food. The Passover. Remember when, when the, Egyptian, uh, the, the Israelites were in Egypt and they were going to be delivered out of Egypt? The Passover meal was to remind people of what God was doing for them. To acknowledge God's love and grace and his provision for them. Passover was a holy experience, connecting the people to God. Manna in the wilderness, as the Israelites were out in the wilderness, manna coming from God, reminding the people that God sees them, he loves them, and takes care of them. And that God that loved and saw and took care of those people is the same God that loves and sees and takes care of us. And God will provide. 
The widow's cakes we see in the Old Testament where the, the widow was running low on food and, and, and then the, the cakes were multiplied and, and we see that blessing of God blessing the widow. We see the ravens feeding of Elijah. When he's out in the wilderness, the ravens come and give Elijah food. God knows what we need just when we need it. No sense to overeat. God will provide what you need when you need it. Remember the wine at the wedding and Jesus' first miracle and any any provides an abundance of wine at the wedding. And again, God just working through Jesus. And we see at the Last Supper where Jesus spends that precious time with his disciples and institutes the Last Supper and says, take this bread in remembrance of me. Take this uh, fruit of the vine in remembrance of me. Remember my sacrifice. Remember my broken body. Remember the blood that I'm going to shed. And the Last Supper that we took this morning is holy and it points towards God. The food we receive each day should remind us that God loves us and he provides for us and he takes care of us and God is our provider. And he will bring us provision. Again, food not just physical, it's spiritual as well. All these stories and more are spotlights shining on God's role as provider and his son's role as provision. In Jesus Christ, we have everything we need. God is our provider. When we eat, we need to acknowledge that it is God who is providing. And please let us not abuse God's blessings to us. Many of us that have struggled with gluttony and have committed the sin of of gluttony and continue to commit the sin of gluttony, we are not acknowledging that God is the provider and that he's given it to us. We are overeating. We're overconsuming. We're over... Uh, we're overindulging in what God has blessed us with, and that is sin. God gives us these blessings not to overindulge and pull us away from him, but to pull us to him as acknowledging that God is the provider. And Jesus is our provision. And the third thing we got to do, we got to know the function of food, we got to know the foreshadowing of food, and we got to know the father of food. The more we pursue knowledge of the giver, the less we'll abuse his gifts. When you get more and more into God's will and God's spirit, you see how much God loves you and provides for you. And when you fall more in love with God, you're not going to abuse the things that God does for you. Just like as you fall more and more in love with your spouse, you're not going to abuse them or, or take them for granted or take their gifts for granted. You're going to love it and appreciate it more. It's the same thing with God. The more we get to know God and what food is about and how he loves blessing us with food, the less we're going to abuse it. Psalm 145, 15 through 17 says, The eyes of all look to you, and you give them their food in due season. You open your hand. You satisfy the desire of every living thing. The Lord is righteous in all his ways and kind in all his works. And God provides for us. And the scripture says he knows the desire of every living thing. God knows what you need. Know the Father and know that God knows you. And here's the thing, God knows you more than you will ever know him. He knows the moment you were created in your mother's womb, he's seen your every joy, he's seen your every struggle, he's seen your every hurt, he's given you your every blessing. God knows you and he will take care of you. There's no need to overindulge on any of his blessings, especially food. 2 Corinthians 5, 14 through 15, for the love of Christ controls us Because we have concluded this, that one has died for all, therefore all have died. And he died for all, that those who live might no longer live for themselves, but for him who for their sake died and was raised. 
See, we don't live for ourselves and for what we want and what we desire. We live for God. And to be honest, our witness for God is weakened when we are gluttonous. When we are out of shape and we are overweight because of our gluttony, it affects people's views of God as they see us be gluttonous. Let's just be honest with it. When you are gluttonous and you are overconsuming and people see that, it hurts your witness as a disciple of Christ. And I know my witness has been weakened because of it, which is why I've got to change it. I want God's glory to be shown through me. I don't want people to look at me and say, well, that guy talks about God, but look how much he eats and look how much he consumes. That doesn't seem very godly. Instead, I want people to see me and say, hey, there's a guy who loves God. He realizes he has a sin problem. He's allowing God to change him, and God's glory is really being shown through that guy. I hope some of you have that same belief. Because when we're gluttonous with whatever it is, it hurts our witness in the kingdom of God. God gives us his good gifts to be received with thankfulness and to be enjoyed, but to his glory, not ours. And so for a lot of us, it's time to start living for God's glory. It's time to know that what food is about, why we eat. It's time to know the function of food. It's time to know the foreshadowing of food. And it's time to know the father of food. And one thing I took comfort in this morning as I was preaching the sermon was, I know that I'm not alone in this because several of you have come to me and said, that sermon on gluttony is going to be really hard for us, isn't it? Because you know you struggle with it. And so in thinking about this and realizing that I can't walk this journey on my own, I know I'm walking with God, I'm filled with the Spirit, but you know what? I love for some of my brothers and sisters at Riverside to walk this journey with me. We created at Riverside the Riverside Loss Challenge. And it starts next week. We're going to order some maces, and we're going to meet in a room in the back, and we're going to... Just kidding. Some of you are like, really? I'll go. But here's the deal. We're going to meet next Sunday, and, and the reason we're not doing it today is I want you to pray about it for the next week. Because a lot of times we hear something like, yeah, I want to do that, and we go, and we're like, yeah, I don't really want to do this. I want you to pray about it for the next week. I want you to spend time with God and say, God, is this something that I, I can commit to? Is this something I want to do? it is, if you feel like God's leading you there, next Sunday at 8.15, we're going to meet back here in the classroom, and we're just going to begin praying together and talking together about how we can get our gluttony and our weight, our weight under control. And I'll be there. I may sit there by myself next Sunday. I'll pray by myself. But if some of you want to join me, I'd love to walk this journey with you. Because you know what? We joke a lot about food and being overweight and down here in this Cajun culture, it's so hard not to eat. Man, we eat so good down here. But the eating for a lot of us is killing our witness for God, and it's killing our functions in the kingdom. It's time for some of us to get serious about it. It's no longer a joke, and it struck me that we don't joke a lot about people who are bulimic. We don't joke, we joke a lot about people who, who are really skinny and struggle with, with, with weight down there. But we joke about fat people a lot, don't we? We make fun of them, and they're the butt of jokes. But for a lot of us, it's time to stop being the butt of jokes and time to get our weight under control and time to serve God for his glory in the kingdom with all that we have, not carrying the extra weight. So if you want to join me on this journey, next Sunday, 8.15, in the adult classroom, we'll meet for a time of prayer, discussion, support, and this group's going to meet off and on for the next few months, and we're going to see how much weight we can lose, and we'll report back to the church what God has done in our life. Let's look at this verse as we close. 1 Corinthians 10, 31. 
So whether you eat or drink, or whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God. Whether you struggle with pride, wrath, lust, greed, envy, sloth, or gluttony, it's time to let God change your life and do all you can for the glory of God.